Hello, I'm Justin Smith. You're listening to What is Artificial Intelligence? Today, we're going to have a conversation with Liliana Petrova. She works at JetBlue, and she's also a thought leader in the space of customer experience. We're going to cover how artificial intelligence shapes customer experience, also the barriers within business and AI adoption, and Liliana shares her vision on how to optimize artificial intelligence development. There's a hint, it involves collaboration. Welcome to What is AI? Well, thank you very much for tuning in today. I've got a very special guest with me. I'll let her introduce herself here in a moment, but thank you for tuning in to What's AI? Hi, guys. Uh, it's very fun having uh, been on this podcast, What's AI? I'm excited to um, discover with Justin more and more the complexities of this new um, technology and what it can do for us. My name is Liliana. Um, I work for JetBlue Airways and um, I have been their customer experience director for uh, almost three years now. And we are exploring um, the technology world in terms of how to make your experiences better with JetBlue Airways every day. Awesome. All right, Liliana, so let's jump into it. How would you describe AI to somebody that's not in the field? You know, uh, that's a great question, Justin, because it's actually pretty hard um, because it's not something um, that, um, it's not like Excel or anything else that you can quickly um, refer to that people are using in their day-to-day lives. The way I'm trying, I always, when people ask me this question, I always think about my mother because she usually asks me these type of questions. I would say AI is a way to use technology to make things faster, smarter, and more efficient. Um, And it's it's a new um, tool for people to make anything faster, more precise, and more um, specific. So there is no one specific use to AI. It it is more of a tool. And depending on what you do in your day-to-day job, um, I almost try to tell her this is kind of like the Excel of the future. Yes, yes. It's one of those where it really is the innovation comes from the application of the tool, not so much from the tool itself. That's, That's a beautiful definition and a great way to describe it, I think. So what would you say excites you most about artificial intelligence? I think what, for me, what excites me is that it can solve complex problems that are humanly impossible to solve. And it opens a new frontier for human, the human race uh, and for all of us. Um, I think it's a historical moment, kind of like internet back in the day. That is just um, they were witnessing the, the transition into this new world. Um, that will be so much more exciting. Yeah, absolutely. So, what what scares you the most about AI? Um, you know, I, um, I I wrote a couple of um, articles about um, what scares me actually on my blog, and I uh, when I was doing my research, um, I found a quote from Elon Musk that um, he said that uh, the next uh, biggest uh, self-destruction weapon is AI for humanity. Yes. Um, and <laughs> pretty pretty scary quote from somebody who um, probably knows more about AI than me. I think it's the control for okay. me. Um, is that it's a little too smart for uh, for my liking. 
and um, that there is, uh, if we're not careful, there might be a point where AI controls us. So yeah. um, I, I don't, I don't necessarily think that we're taking it seriously enough, or that people are taking enough time to learn and understand it enough in order to control, regulate, um, and safeguard humanity against what it could become. Yes. So one of the the ideas I've kind of been exploring recently is the idea where making sure that our goals are aligned, right? Where the goals of human beings... (laughs) Good way to put. Yeah. yeah, and, And the goals that we kind of, you know, impute or program into the fundamentals of how, you know, the machine learning stacks or, you know, the prequels to AR that we're working with today how they make sure that they align with what we want to be in the future as human beings. And that's sort of a, a large esoteric way of thinking about it. But um, it, it really is, and I think you're hitting on the point where if we lose control of this technology and it says, mm, you guys are just ants, we need to get rid of all the ants, that could be a major issue that we're probably not paying enough attention to today as a society. I'm, I'm hopeful that individuals that are developing you know, the technology on the programming side are recognizing that we need to build in ethics and also trying to eliminate bias where it's possible. But at the same time, that's something that, you know, when I have that moment of looking up the stars at night, I kind of think, Ooh, <laughs> this is a big deal. Yeah. Is it is wild. a little, um, it is a little scary. And, and I also think it's more scary for the people that understand it more. Um, and, and that's usually is not, um, when it's such a complex tool, it's not that many people, so I'm afraid that many people will be ignorant about, maybe not ignorant, but not not at the aware yes. of, of the dangers that are lurking. Yeah, not as exposed. I think from from my perspective, getting to see and also helping to build some of the programs, uh, you know, or tools that we've been able to construct, the idea where once you realize, oh, this is another two layers away from being able to do something that's completely incredible that's never been done before that's where you kind of get that that odd spire moment of, oh, we have to make sure we can control this to the utmost degree. Let's see. So, I, oh, sorry, go ahead. Well, last year I, I saw uh, on, the, I was at a conference of Forrester. I don't know if you've heard of them, but it's a customer experience organization and a company called So Machines came on stage and showed us a digital human. And... Like a digital baby, wow, <laughs> and a digital neurosystem, um, and I guess that's where I, I really it became very real for me. Um, how much can you do with AI, and and also uh, how much closer to home AI is to, and it's getting closer to to human like yes uh, features. Yes, I I don't know if you got a chance to follow. I had a friend send me the link um, to I think it was a talk that Google just put out on their their uh, you know intelligent assistant or uh, augmented intelligence or however you want to, oh. you know the, the <laughs> AI and they had the their their system was calling to make I think it was hair appointments or yes. uh, restaurant <laughs> reservations and it was it was fascinating because I kind of didn't I didn't read the prequel to the article I just kind of hit play and was listening to it. And I thought, why is this person talking so strangely? And then I realized, oh, that's the system <laughs> making the phone call, uh, which again was kind of one of those profound moments for me. Of, I didn't realize it wasn't a person right away until I thought they're they're talking very weird. Um, so I, I think having those moments is where it kind of brings the brings home that brevity of oh, this is probably farther along than even we perceive sometimes, uh, and just making sure that we're aware of that. So. Aside from the aside from the human baby, what's some of the most surprising things that you've seen or done with artificial intelligence that you'd like to talk about? 
Well, I, I with um, in terms of surprises, um, I, I think oh, the the for me that sew machine really was a, a surprise. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what I've seen that has shocked me. Um, in terms of what I have done, um, it's more around um, facial recognition okay. and um, using facial recognition to solve a, a problem at the boarding gate. Uh, in JetBlur Ways, we aspire to create personal, helpful, and simple experiences and to kind of remove the seams along the journeys of our customers. So one of the things that we heard from our customers that weren't particularly um, fun uh, was boarding for uh, many reasons. Um, there's a ton of research done out uh, by many airlines on that, but the solutions are not that um, really exciting. Uh, there are lines and there are stanchions, and I hate both, <laughs> <laughs> yes. as I'm sure every customer does. Uh, and many of our airlines... Um, peers um, have tried to do different groups, so the grouping boarding came on uh, on stage to solve this, but nothing really exciting. So last year, we decided to use facial recognition and use a a camera to board our customers on board, uh, which I think was uh, not necessarily surprising, but uh, really exciting. Um, And people loved the experience, and we loved uh, the process of making this experience. Uh, because it was solving a problem. It was very discreet, but it was very much uh, impossible without AI. Yes. Wow, that's fascinating. So essentially just the facial recognition said, okay, you can you can board now, you're ready to go. Is that sort of the, the gist of it? Yep. Wow. Yeah, that's the gist of it. The gist of it is all you need to do is go, approach the camera, and a few seconds later, the camera tells you welcome on board. You don't have to show your boarding pass. You don't have to show your ID. Um, nothing. Just just walk walk to the camera. Wow, I want that experience. That sounds fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> it is pretty. Uh, it's pretty exciting, and and uh, I can tell you, um, watching uh, people experience it was probably one of the most rewarding um, things I've I've ever experienced. We had uh, children play um, dance in front of the camera. Uh, we had uh, people that were in wheelchairs. Uh, kind of feeling, um, I think maybe that was more humbling. Uh, they, they kind of felt that it wouldn't work for them. Um, oh, okay. And when it worked, it, they felt like, oh, you know, I'm part of the future. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was very, yeah, actually, it was very interesting to see. Um, the reactions was were opposite. You would think people that probably wouldn't be as excited were more excited than, than, than we expected. Interesting. And I think what I like about, you know, what's beautiful about this example is that the feedback loop is so present. You know right away instantly if it's working or not and if it's having the the intended effect or not. I think that's what's really beautiful about this where so many systems are built in the back end that a human may never interact with directly. And this is a, a use of the technology where you know right away if people are having a good experience or not. I think that's, yeah, that's actually, I, I never thought of it that way, but <laughs> now that you say it, uh, it's very true. Yeah. You also know when they don't like it. Just so you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, again, you know right away it's from that feedback. It's a double-edged sword here. <laughs> correct, correct. At least you get that feedback and say, take them off of the facial recognition <laughs> <laughs> boarding pathway. We'll get a human in front of you as soon as possible. Oh, that's fun. So how do you how do you see 
AI shaping the future kind of this, I think the short term is, you know, people kind of have those, uh, those ideas a little bit more easily, but how do you see it shaping the future in the medium, like maybe the next three to five years? And then let's look long-term, like let's look out 10 years plus kind of from the current state of technology, uh, and, and the implications that it may have. Um, you know, it's interesting. I, I, uh, I thought about this, um, when I, uh, when I was preparing for us and, uh, it it made me reflect on uh, something I'm working uh, in my day job today, which is to imagine the future and 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 how our brand would would function. And I thought of AI and and where I'm heading with my day job as a again like a tool that would create new experiences and new a new reality in terms of how you how you experience life as a human. And AI and machine learning in general. Um, if you imagine three to five years, the, the brands that are leading in, in the industry will probably crack the more simple uh, problems that need to be solved, like recommendations engines for where to go, what what to eat, or, you know, knowing, like personalizing your experiences, be it in stores like Amazon, allowing you to shop with with your app and not showing a wallet or, or not doing anything else. Yeah. Or, you know, airlines trying to personalize the journey and giving you kind of like a digital concierge experience, I think, kind of like the race is on, on that one. Um, to retail, kind of merging the offline, online experience and allowing you to shop anywhere you go. So I don't know if it's three to five. Um, I actually think it is going to be there by five because... The, the facial recognition when we launched it with JetBlue last year was we were the first in 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 many ways um, leading the the kind of industry and within a year um, I, I thought it was going to take much longer but within a year there was an announcement every month that another airline or airport is doing it uh, so the adoption curve is much faster than what I thought. And and it's it's fascinating actually to observe that. I really didn't think that people will kind of quote unquote catch up that fast. Yeah. Um, but right now, if I go to the any airline industry, we're still talking about biometrics and facial recognition. Uh, but suddenly the conversation is moving to the next thing. Um, and these are details of how you're going to perfect it and 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 how you're going to make it into the day to day. But the big problem of inventing it is kind of cracked. Yes. So the way I, I think is you know, the, the machine learning technologies and, and all these permutations around, uh, you know, language and, and, and visual, um, it, it's, it's going to start having more and more different um, adoptions in different problems, micro problems. They will lead within five years to a very different way of, of consumer experience across purchasing things or, or transportation um, or even even labor, and and that will I I actually think that will be much faster than people expect. I think within five years we're going to see different different reality, and then within ten, I really believe uh, we're going to really go to to the more Jetsonian whatever they call that these <laughs> days. I, I can't pronounce that word, but it, it, we're going to fly. So I I think ten and ten plus. Uh, Everything about movement and and connections between countries or space 
uh, I think will be addressed by the, because the, I think that's more complex. Um, I spoke with uh, somebody in, in, a, in a car company recently trying to see what we can, how we can play together. Mm. Um, and one of the feedback um, that he shared was, uh, you know, we, we have a moving car, um, self-driving car. We don't have the network that the self-moving car can read to move or do more interesting things. So it made me, I think he really opened my mind to really understand that that's going to take much longer. Okay. If you asked me earlier in the year, I would have said, oh, yeah, we're going to have self-driving cars by the end of next year. But now I realize it's much more complex, which probably would take much longer. And then being in the airline industry, I can tell you, uh, air traffic control is a problem, is, is, a, is a challenge as is. If you open the space between the, le- the ground and air where, where the planes are today, that, if you think about it, is a whole space that will be utilized in the future. So connecting the ground and then connecting the, the, the space above the ground uh, will probably be a more complex problem than that, that AI will, will be a good match for later on. Yeah, the logistical integration, I think, that, that works at a... I, kind of a beyond human capability at this point. I, I think that's that's something that's a really interesting point. It, it's not so much the driving car itself, but it's the network of driving cars mm-hmm. that'll be that'll be the really profound leap, uh, which would be really interesting. So uh, you mentioned something kind of the idea of fast adoption, the fast adoption curve. So what do you think the greatest barriers are to AI adoption or to machine learning adoption? Oh, well, that, now I'm going to go boring on you. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's humans. Um, yeah. I think this is where you go to somebody, uh, I don't remember which quote was, but they were saying that uh, you need a business imagination <laughs> and that that's the biggest bottleneck. And to translate business imagination, if you ask me as the technology experts and and. and people that write the code or manage the algorithms getting together with with the people that are imagining the future and co-creating and i as i go through my day to day i see i'm one of the few that uh preach that whole um mer- merging the two teams and making them one and even if i go back to see how biometrics worked we had 70% technology, 30% people that more understand the operation or, or how the, the usability of, of, of the end usability of the thing. But we were all sitting together and worked together and, and we, we were kind of like one team. And I just think that's the biggest barrier because AI right now is strictly technology and it's not, the, the conversation is not the right conversation. Interesting. So, to create value, to create like customer value. Yes, yes. So I, I, I talk a lot about within my organization the idea and individuals that I get to talk to, the idea of culture and the idea of shifting the culture so that it's more risk aware, not so much risk averse or risk, you know, they want to be very risky, but just the idea that there are there are challenges that we should try and tackle. And if we don't tackle them right the first time, potentially that's okay, but at least we're trying the process. And I think that sort of sounds to me like a similar barrier of, you know, that's the human problem where we like change, but only when it's completely seamless and something that, you know, affects us in a positive way. But the unintended negative consequences are sometimes what keeps keep people away from trying the new things or even being able to adopt, 
you know, new technology in that space. So uh, do you have any tips or tricks for those individuals that are working to shift the culture, the business integration kind of aspect of it? I mean, I think the, the the technology world started it with the agile approach that is getting more and more permeated. Like it, it's seeing more and more adoption across uh, the industries. Uh, I think the next step really is to to have some some or the organizations. I think need to kind of think of new roles. We need to reorg our org almost yes. because now we're working in silos. And we're in the business of building journeys now versus uh, before we were building products. Okay. So uh, I, depending who's listening, right, on, on, on whatever level they are, if you're at a higher level, I would really revisit the reorg and, and really think about you, if you haven't enabled people to talk among themselves and if the goals and bonuses and the whole org structure is set up in a, in a siloed way, um, these people will not have the reason to talk among themselves. And I think with AI and the new technologies that are immersing, the value, the adoption and, and the, the ROI for companies is in the collaboration uh. and in the co-creation and the ideation. Even if you're talking about risk, if if it's hard for one person to carry the risk decisions, and it's much easier for a governance body to do so. So I think I think at the at the core of it, that's the problem. The problem is that even the risk uh, the risk tolerance comes from the team, the team of leaders, the team of uh, uh, that's called. I had a couple of situations, of course, every innovator does, right, where you have to make a call. Yes. But then I would send an email to the whole team that covers five teams internally and say, what do you vote? Each of you has to vote. So it's not one person's vote. It's all of them. Of course, I have an opinion. I'm the leader. But I needed them to start feeling this type of decision making for their own division. And then when we made the decision bad or good, because we've had both, yes. um, we're in it together. Correct. Yeah. So no. that I think, and if you're, if you're more on the execution side, again, I would, I would urge people to learn the other side that they don't know. Right. If you don't know technology, don't tell me, um, go have I, my, my new hires. I have it training for them. No other leader in my company does that. And the IT training is not me sending them to specific courses, but reaching out to my peers and say, hey, do you mind if your people sit with my new hire and this is what I want them to cover? So then they not only make the relationships, they also learn. And they learn more about technology because technology is everything. Yes. And it's a feed forward, it's a feed forward loop where you know who to call because you know there's mm-hmm. certain specific area and they also can kind of provide insight on, uh, you know, portions of the business or portions of the technology that you may not be as strong on. I think that's a, a fantastic way of doing that. But then I can tell you also that on the on the technology side, there are people that just ask me for the requirements and mm-hmm. that drives me crazy, okay? We can't keep talking about this because then you're not thinking. Yes. <laughs> and that's what I tell them. It's like the moment you ask me for requirements, that means you refuse to think. Yes. Why don't you ask me why I want to build this? 
What am I going to use it for? Who is going to be clicking what, where, why they would click there? So we can actually co-create this together. Yeah, and create that kind of that seamless story or that's the seamless journey experience that uh, it takes more than just kind of the the programmer sitting in the back room programming and, you know, in silo from the operations and also the operations working in collaboration. I think you're, you're highlighting some really important uh, difficulties that many organizations, if not most, are facing right now in terms of how to optimize, you know, the adoption of this technology. I, I think that's fantastic. So one other thing I was going to ask you is what impact kind of on the idea of human workflow do you think artificial intelligence will have? Yeah, that's not a good one. I <laughs> Honestly, I think, you know, there's so many articles. Half of the articles are talking about, yeah. oh, the robotics will, you know, destroy jobs. The other half say, well, not really because you're going to open new jobs. Yeah. So what do you think? I, I, I think <laughs> I'll answer the way I answered to somebody in the operation because they <laughs> okay. were like, oh. You, you're going you're bringing biometrics and facial recognition. Are you going to eliminate jobs now? And my answer was, I'm not going to eliminate jobs, but I will make your job more cerebral. Yes. More problem solving. Yep. And more critical thinking yeah. will be part of your day-to-day activities versus clicking buttons and, you know, taking five clicks to clean a, a customer that boarded. Now you're not going to have to do this because AI will take care of that, but you're going to have the amazing opportunity to not look at the computer, but actually make eye contact because I've enabled your iPad to know more about this customer. You're going to have a very pleasant conversation with that person. And if they're having a problem, the same iPad will allow you to fix their problems that today you cannot. Yes. So... It's changing the job. It is changing the job. I, I, I talk about in healthcare when I talk with uh, physicians and advanced practice providers, the idea of you'll get to be more human. Right? The <laughs> yeah. artificial intelligence, the plan and the hope, the best case scenario is it will take all the button clicking and all the data entry that you have to do today, put that all in the background so you can focus on what's most important in front of you, and that's the patient. And you know, I think it's the same thing where having a positive conversation with a with a client or a customer or a passenger is extremely valuable. And you know, that's where you know, from my personal perspective, I think that's one of the bigger changes that'll happen. The workflow is you won't be able to hide behind the computer anymore. It, it will be mm-hmm. gone from the, from the space. Mm-hmm. At least that's the idea. Cool. So exciting. It's, it's, <laughs> if we do it right, it's extremely exciting. If we do it wrong, then hopefully we won't become ants. I mean, that's the, <laughs> <laughs> that's the other part. Are, is there anything else you'd like to add before I, uh, before I let people know where they find more about your work? Um, no, I mean, I think we, we, we had everything covered. I, I would just, you know, I would just urge people to, to read and not be afraid. That's, okay. I think, my one thing keep learning about it because it's coming and it's going to be everywhere soon. Yes. If, if not in more places than you perceive right now. <laughs> I think that's, yep, the, exactly. that's the thing. Where, uh, where can listeners find more about you? Where can listeners find more about me? Well, I am pretty much on every social media platform out there except for Instagram. Um, I am on LinkedIn, of course, but I um, also um, am writing a blog with another a fellow customer experience professional. Our blog uh, is called Doing CX Right. Um, C 
CX stands for Customer Experience. And on that blog, we write about different topics, including AI. Um, so both LinkedIn and, and that blog page would be a place where you can start talking to me. Excellent. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Sure. Have a great day. All right. You too. Thank you. Bye. Well, that was a great conversation with Liliana. We covered a lot of ground, but one of the things that I'd like to highlight is the idea of the surprise and delight of those passengers at JetBlue when they're able to check in and board with their face. I think that's one of those moments of when the technology works very smoothly that has profound implications for the customer experience. I think another point to take home would be the idea of the collaboration between business stakeholders and the technologists, the programmers that are co-creating these best AI solutions and how in the future, communication and collaboration will be the keys to success. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to continue this conversation and connect with me, you can reach me at justinsmithphd.com.